Hello and welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, the podcast devoted to all things comic books in movies and TV. I'm Luke. My co-host today is Nathan. Hello, thanks for having me again. Today's topic, Scooby-Doo, the first instalment in the Scooby-Doo live-action film series. The film was directed by Raja Gosnell from a screenplay by James Gunn and stars Freddie Prince Jr., Sir Michelle Gellar, Matthew Lillard, Linda Cardellini, Isla Fisher and Rowan Atkinson. This is your warning. We will be talking spoilers. Uh oh. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I couldn't lie. I was waiting. You've been asking for a while for us to review Scooby Doo on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. He's uh, it's a beloved franchise, and I think that everyone just loves it. So why not? You're looking at animation. Where do you start? I mean, there's so many, and yeah. they they're still releasing like multiple films per year. Mm. So I kind of figured. If we were going to do a Scooby-Doo movie, we'd go back to 2002 and do the first live-action movie. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. You know, why not? A film that I watched in the cinema. I can't remember what motivated me. Maybe it's because it was Scooby-Doo. Rowan Atkinson's in it. I I don't know. Maybe it was the cast, like Freddie Prinze Jr., Sir Michelle Gellar, Matthew Lillard. Those people, if you looked at the time, like they were in all the teen movies. Yeah, whether absolutely. it's I know what you did last summer, there's other examples, Cruel Intentions, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And they TV. were just they were just casting everything at the time. So there was a lot of appeal, I guess, for these actors. But whatever the reason, I was there watching it on the big screen. I've got to say though, a couple of years later, in two thousand and four, when they released Scooby Doo Two Monsters Unleashed, mm-hmm. I did not see that one in cinemas. No, that was probably. Did you see that on on DVD? I've seen it since streaming, yeah. and it's okay. The original cast are back, but there's something about the first movie, and I know we're going to get into it, that I didn't necessarily get from that sequel. Mm. The film was released June 17th, 2002, and grossed $275 million worldwide. Probably speaks to the, to the nostalgia factor. I mean, Scooby-Doo is yeah. a massive known property. The budget was $84 million, so they made... A tidy profit on there. So it's easy to see why they'd make a follow-up. Oh, yeah. You look at those numbers and the, the big bulging profit lines and all you can say is, like, wow, man. I mean, are you done? Yeah. <laughs> are we yeah. going to get some more impressions? We'll see. <laughs> so, yeah, financially, it was a success. Although, I mean, it received generally negative reviews from critics who criticised its script, humour and visual effects. However... Matthew Lillard's performance received praise. And it should be noted, like since that first movie in 2002, as recent as now, Matthew Lillard in animation is still the voice of Shaggy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he's, he's amazing as Shaggy. He's probably the, one of the biggest talking points of this movie, I would say. Oh, I mean, yes. Going back and watching this film again, whether it's just for fun or for the podcast... The appeal he's Matthew Lillard, by far, he is the best thing about this movie. Before him in animation, it was Casey Kasem. That's right. He was a vegetarian. And out of respect for him, in this movie, Shaggy is also a vegetarian. Although other iterations, including the sequel, not the case anymore. He's eating, Mm. I think, Burger King, KFC, anything he can get his hands on. But in this (laughs) movie, at least, out of respect for Casey Kasem... He's a vegetarian. That's an interesting uh, insight. I did not make that distinction or conclusion at all. It's a good thing you brought that up. Jim Carrey was originally attached to play Shaggy, 
You could see it. Mike Myers also expressed mm. interest in the role, and apparently Myers also took a go at the script as well. Oh, wow. He was involved at one time. It's funny, I, I can't really see Myers as shaggy, but Jim Carrey could certainly have pulled it off with Panache had um, Lillard turned it down. I mean, I'd say back in the day he kind of had the frame, but Matthew Lillard, he he's right there. Oh, yeah. And not only does he look like shaggy, he's got the build. It's frightening how much he channels him. Channels and he him. just, he sounds just like, like him. him. You close your eyes and you're listening to animated shaggy. That's well, how good it is. I was reading like what he did to to get the voice. Like we know that he can do it. I've heard this too. Go on. He would scream for a very long time to yep. make his voice all hoarse yep. to do a perfect shaggy. In- Must have perfect. worked. Must have worked to do a perfect shaggy imitation. It didn't work out though. I mean, if you think how how many speaking parts he has in this film, oh, yeah, like, to put your voice through that each time. So what he did instead, he would then begin trying to imitate the voice he did when it was all hoarse. Ah. And that's that's the sound of Shaggy yeah. that we get in this film and every appearance or since. voice work since. Yeah. 2010, that's when... So after this movie and the sequel a couple of years later, so there's been like a six-year gap between Scooby-Doo 2 and Lillard voicing Shaggy in animation. But looking at this, so he's been voicing Shaggy in animation for the last 11 years. Wow. So all told, the the live-action films included, how long has he been doing Shaggy for? Oh, you're going back to, so 19 years. That's amazing. That's incredible. I wonder if that eclipses Kasem's run on the character or not. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, he was doing it, I think, since Scooby-Doo first aired in animation. Well, off-air, that would be an interesting thing to um, to try and research. But he's the one that keeps coming back to it. Like other characters in animation, it's not the actors from this film. It, That's he's it. the only one. And it's kind of worth noticing, back. before we move on from Shaggy, it's worth noticing that uh, and mentioning that he, I think there's only one feature he didn't voice him in. And wasn't that Scoob? Yeah, yes. They Good got someone else. point. It was Will Forte, who mm. I'm a big fan of. Yeah, I that film, before it was even released, rubbed me up the wrong way because, you know, Warner Brothers Animation, home release, they'd clearly been having success with their feature-length films, the TV series, and they'd always bring back the same cast. Yeah, like Greg Yet Griffin. They, and... they were going for a big screen release and they recast everybody. That's just, yeah, I can't get on board with that. I think... Frank Welker, who now voices Scooby-Doo, I think he maybe he's the only person that came back. Mm. But yeah, I don't like the fact that they just left all the regular cast members out. But then Scoob didn't do for the studio what they wanted it to do. do. Exactly right. Even, I think, even I was a bit disappointed in watching that. Yeah, I think it's just going to end up being a one and done, whereas yep. Matthew Lillard keeps coming back still time and time again. Shaggy Rogers. Tried and tra- tested. Oh, it should be said as well. This film is one of the few Scooby-Doo films to reference the fact that the real names of Scooby and Shaggy are Scoobert and Norville. Yeah, that's correct. There Norville, Shaggy, Rogers. I think we've done Shaggy. We yep, might talk on. about him again let's some, move on. sometime later. But let's talk Velma Dinkley, played by Linda Cardellini. Yeah, she did a really good job. Before this, I think she was known for ER, or maybe that came after, I'm unsure, but for me, it was Freaks and Geeks. 
the Judd Apatow TV series. Okay. She was the older sister That's right. to one of the main characters. I remember catching a few of those a few of those shows. I remember Seth Rogen was in it. That's right, yeah. And I... Zach Levine. Great cast. Hmm. Great, great cast. But yeah, she's Velma. And for the first time, I'm watching Scooby-Doo and Velma is very attractive. <laughs> yeah, that's I right. I mean, granted, a lot of that is down to Linda Cardellini. But yeah, this movie had me looking at Velma in a, a whole way. new light. Yeah, absolutely. But she's doing it, isn't she? She's doing Velma. She's got she's got the outfit. And we the, should say... The glasses. All characters, costumes... Bang on. Accurate to whether it's... Well, animation. Looks just like it does in animation. Yeah, they did a great job with it, with the, um, the wardrobe department. You know, there's a bit in it as well where her glasses get knocked off and she's saying, I can't find my glasses. Mm. And I remember a while back, as trivia on that film, Stu, mm-hmm. I found that... It was the actress in the recording booth who really lost her glasses. Oh, wow. And they, they they filmed it, or they recorded it, and they decided to include it, and that became a staple of that character. Wow, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, I thought that was pretty That's really pretty cool. cool. I like it. I like it when you discover things like that. We can carry on through the rest of the Scooby gang, and then we'll come back to, Mystery Inc. to the other characters. Yeah, Mystery Inc. Scooby gang. They're also known that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right, we'll go with that. Sarah Michelle Geller as Daphne. Yeah, that's that's a. I would say if you're talking pure Hollywood, that's a good casting. But I wouldn't have gone with her. I would have gone with someone who looks a little bit more like Daphne. I mean, she's wearing a, a red wig. She looks like Daphne enough, I guess. Yeah, she's I'll, got the. I'll pay that. She's got the purple dress. She's got the go-go boots. Sure. Although when she wasn't on camera, she was wearing trainers because <laughs> I don't think those go-go boots would have been the most comfortable for her mm-hmm. and as fred we got freddie prince jr and from what i've read they very much wanted a real life couple to play daphne and fred oh, right and they got that in in this movie which is interesting it starts off freddie prince jr is clearly wearing a dodgy wig oh yeah you, but that's, then you can see that it makes sense because then there's a little bit of a time jump and mm. he's got his short hair he dyed it blonde. Apparently, really messed up his hair. He had to shave it all off and start again. Oh wow! Yeah, because <laughs> he's wow. Yeah. Okay, did a real number on his. Yeah, you can, you hair. can, you can. It's very obvious that he's wearing a wig. It looks terrible. But he's... only in, it's only in the opening though, so you can kind of go with it. And whether they're trying to make him look a little bit younger, yeah, as well. He's got the red ascot though, like he always does in the cartoons. Yeah, which apparently he really dislikes wearing, but you know, it's not everyday wear. Is it? Oh, so I well. could imagine it being quite, quite uncomfortable. I guess you can see how it would have been a real pain in the Asgard for him to wear. <laughs> nice. But again, it's good that the costumes look just like they do in animation. Yep. So we've got a new character, Rowan Atkinson as Emil Mondavarius. Mm. We all like Mr. Bean, Blackadder, Thin Blue Line. We could just keep going on and on with Rowan Atkinson. So um, I do think that would have been something that I found appealing back in the day. Yeah, true. I mean, every time you look at Rowan Atkinson, you just think Mr. Bean. It's hard to not think him as anything anything but. But there's a weird thing that happens with his character. Mm. And, you know, we gave the spoiler warning. Yeah. It's revealed that we're not actually seeing Emil Mondavarius. In actual fact, it is Scrappy-Doo. Scrappy-Doo. In a mechanical person. <laughs> like, in a, that makes sense. In a, in a robot. and Or whatever the... People who directed this film decided to make it after they smoked a ton of drugs. 
honestly, I I'd never I've never liked Scrappy Doo, and yeah. I think that's the same for most people. Although they do change it, and what's interesting to note in this film, it's often referred to as being a different timeline. Yeah. To the TV series, to the other, or to the animated films. Mm. In this particular timeline, Scrappy-Doo wasn't actually a puppy. He just had a gland disorder which stunted his growth. Hmm. So I don't think he's supposed to be the nephew, because if that's the case, in that flashback sequence, it's really quite harsh Mm. that Scooby-Doo and the rest of the gang would just leave him in the desert. Yeah, absolutely. But apparently... He was a grown-up. He just looked like like a puppy. Information you're not really given. But that's the thing with this movie. That's your that's your big bad. I mean, it opens with I think it was is it the Lunar Monster? It's the one that's on the cover of the the Blu-ray or the DVD. Okay. And it's got like the the arms outreaching. So we get to see that in the beginning. It's revealed that it's Old Man Smithers. We know that from the animated series. Yeah, with the with the classic line. I would have got away with it too if it wasn't for you meddling teenagers. That's it, but we find out that Scrappy-Doo is actually the villain. Mm-hmm. So Which is a, a pretty different. big plot twist, considering in the cartoons he's always portrayed as Scrooby's nephew. Yeah, so this is them doing something different. And mm. again, we kind of just glossed over it in the opening, but this movie was written by James Gunn. Well, there you go. That's, of that's Guardians should... of the Galaxy fame. That's, the Suicide Squad. That should tell you everything you need to know right there, folks. But it is like, it's a kid's film. I think it... It's a PG, it must be right. I think it's it's a PG. Yeah. Producer Charles Roven, he began developing a live action treatment back in '94. So we had to wait a little while. So by the end of the decade, the combined popularity of Scooby Doo Where Are You, along with the addition of the script and updated digital animation, that's what led Warner Brothers to fast track production of the film. But what we were getting then is very different to the film that we actually got. And I think a lot of that is down to James Gunn. Yeah. The film was originally set to have a much darker tone, especially poking fun at the original series, much like the Brady Bunch movie, and was set for a PG-13 rating. Interesting. Shaggy was set to be a stoner, and there were many marijuana references. I mean, we get it in the opening, but it turns out that they're cooking, they've got a barbecue yeah. indoors. So we get the smoke coming out the roof. I'm really of the glad you touched on that. Mystery van. Because I wanted to talk about that. Mystery van. The mystery machine, mystery to give machine. it its full, full title. Interestingly, though, in 2017, the 15th anniversary of the release of the film, James Gunn revealed in a Facebook post that there was an R-rated cut of Scooby-Doo and that CGI was used to remove cleavage of the female cast members. Wow. Also, Sir Michelle Geller said her character and Cardellini's Velma shared an on-screen kiss that did not make the final film. There you go. It took place in the body switching scene. There's long been speculation about all these kinds of things, you know, with with Shaggy being a stoner, um, with Velma is, is portrayed in, in popular culture uh, as a, a like a poster child for lesbianism and, and all these sorts of things. There's a, there's, there's a lot of kind of conjecture there and deeper meanings or that you could really read into these characters. But I'm glad that the movie kind of decided to steer away from that and not play into that. 
Um, and I think Scooby's creators have even come out and said, no, look, Shaggy's definitely not a stoner. And we take great offense to that and blah, 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 blah. But I think it's... it's, it's, it's <laughs> I know, but anybody watching it, that's clearly what yeah, they're doing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But I mean, you can just make that distinction. I, I suppose people read into it a lot. I mean, that's the joke though, isn't it? Like yeah. we, we all know that he is, yeah. but we just, it's, we go along with it. We, yeah, we do. Absolutely right. You mentioned Velma. Like Gunn has come out and said that the way he wrote the movie, Velma was gay. Yeah. And, and it's just whether it's, again, we're talking about the cuts that got made to the film and that's just one more thing that was on the, the cutting room floor. I think that kind of becomes a little more apparent in the sequel too. Um, they do touch on her orientation a little more in the sequel. The Jim Henson Company constructed a life-size puppet of Scooby for the film, but it is replaced with a CGI render. Mm. Let's talk about the visuals of this film. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna say this. I get it. 2002. The visuals, awful. Yeah. They look awful, and especially standards. watching them on a HD TV. Yeah. Definitely, like the coloring on Scooby Doo is all wrong. The yeah. ghosts, they can get away with it for the most part. Mm. But I mean. Again, when you've got Scooby-Doo on screen with Matthew Lillard and he's absolutely killing it, he's, his performance is so strong and then you've got this off-looking CGI dog beside him. And it's almost like you can tell that these actors have to work with um, no, no one in like a mocap suit or anything like that, but probably just imagining someone's there. They're probably just talking lines to, to thin air and pretending, and the director's saying, all right, you have to pretend Scooby's standing next to you. You're talking lines to him and he's interacting with you or you're interacting with him. And you can tell they're just... They're just trying to imagine it um, rather than having interaction by way of a mocap or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, if they were going to make a live-action Scooby-Doo film today, I'm sure it would... Well, I'm not sure. It much would absolutely be look much a lot better. better to do it. But back then, they did what they could do, but it's very jarring to watch now. Yeah. But again, this film, it does have charms. So you can kind of, for the yeah. most part, just just go with it. Yeah, that's true. Just go with it. <laughs> you know, there was an alternate animated opening showing the cartoon versions of the characters, but it was cut for time. Mm-hmm. This sequence also featured a rendition of the Scooby-Doo Where Are You theme. But this nice. version was by artist Shaggy. Ah, there you go. Part of which appears in the final film towards there the end. Go. So you do actually get the, the Shaggy version of the classic song. I'm trying to think of Shaggy. He came back with that song, It Wasn't Me. Yeah, that's what, right. And then where's he been ever since? Was it, uh, he, he had a big song before that. I can't remember. But he came Mr. back Bombastic. with that. That's the one. And yeah. then he came back. But this is... The timing is just right for him having his comeback. Mm. Yeah, this movie in 2002. There's actually footage online you can find. I've watched it twice myself of a rap battle between Shaggy... Uh, no, sorry, between Matthew Lillard and the, and the rapper or the singer shaggy and they're basically you know kind of basically dissing each other about <laughs> i've their, seen their that. careers yeah and that's really amusing i recommend you all watch it Look yeah and that's it. cool i've seen that on yeah it's on youtube the film score was composed by david newman i'll mm-hmm. give him a quick shout out there i mean the, the show or the movie mm-hmm. sounds like scooby-doo so he's got that and it would have been cool to have got an animated opening that would have been cool you know having you know Animation looks familiar enough, but maybe if they went for a little bit of the likeness, mm. maybe that had eased that people cool. in a little bit more and accepted the, the cast as the characters. But this film, like looking back on it, it has it has so much charm. And yeah, it's weird to think that like, how old it is now and what do we say, 19 years? Oh, it's crazy, isn't it? 
Um, it's worth mentioning also Scooby's broad appeal in pop culture. I mean, even Kevin Smith took the piss out of it with um, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. That's right. And Jay yeah. and Bob find themselves uh, in the mystery mobile, the mystery wagon, mystery machine, with with the crew. And in that in that uh, iteration, you do see Scooby and Shaggy hitting the bong, and um, it is a little more kind of adult. Again, like you know, we we all know it's there. But yeah. saying that though, like for for me, like Scooby Doo means a lot to me. Yeah. I I didn't grow up overly loving and watching a lot of Scooby Doo, but I did watch it because it was something that it was on. Yeah. I've come to appreciate a lot more later in life. Because my my youngest, you know, whenever a new Scooby Doo feature length animated movie comes it's out, a good excuse for you guys to get together and watch it. Yeah, we sit together and we watch it. So I'm getting these references. She's four. She isn't. <laughs> And that's what I've always liked about Scooby-Doo. Like, if you know, you know. If not, yeah, you know. Yeah, I love that references will go over your head as a, as a kid. But as an adult, you're like, ah, that's pretty sly. I see what they're doing there. They're just hungry because they've got a big appetite. It's not because they're stoned and they've got the munchies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, Scooby-Doo, there's a reason why it's been going for as long as it has and why it's just as popular now as it was back then. Actually, my very first, if I may, briefly, very first in... Uh, in um, Exposure to Scooby-Doo was the VHS I have. Scooby-Doo meets the Addams Family. I still haven't seen that. Oh, I should lend. I've got the VHS. If you, I lend it to you if you if you can play VHS somehow. Of course not. I mean, well, <laughs> do you still have well, a VHS then player? Then you're boned. Um, we did have a a few years ago. We, we I think we've since got rid of it. We did. There have, we go. We did have a dual DVD VHS player. Because honestly, I don't think I know anybody that still has yeah. the VHS player. But it's good to know you've got the VHS. Yeah, I've got it here still. I'll show you after we off air. Oh, I've seen it. You showed me before. Yeah, it's awesome. It was so cool to see Scooby and the Addams Family link up, and it was the voice cast, the original voice cast, and even um, the with the Addams Family, you had um, you had uh, Carolyn Jones and John Aston doing their voices for animation and interacting with the, Sco- the Scooby Gang, Mystery Inc. It was so damn cool. I mean, they're still doing it now. Like here in Australia, on binge, you can watch Scooby Doo. Guess who? Yeah, and they've got episodes with. Like Ricky Gervais episodes with Batman. Yeah, yeah, the, the Batman one was rad. I saw that, and it's so cool that they've got um, well-known actors and actresses today who are willing to come on and do guest guest spots for the show. Again, it's Scooby Doo. Everybody, yeah, knows everyone, everyone loves Scooby Doo. He's so ingrained in popular culture, and I think that's why people continue to love the franchise. But this movie, though, if you're going to rate it out of five, I'm coming in at about three, three and a half. I mean, it's to me the sequel was better. I uh, Sarah and I watched them both. We did we did them back to back. Um, you know, over two nights, and we we just we liked the sequel more. But this that's not taking away much from the first movie. The first movie is still still good. I just didn't really like the clunky ending with Scrappy Doo and everything like that. That kind of ruined it for me a little bit. But if we're just talking pure performance, um, loved it. Matthew Lillard, you know, we've we've gushed praise about him most of this episode. And it's deserving because he owns Shaggy. He owns the space again and he transforms and becomes Shaggy. And he saves this movie big time. Um, it could have been so much worse had they have cast someone else. But yeah, you know, I think a solid three and a half is, is warranted for this. Just that I feel the sequel was probably better. That's all. Yeah, I'm going to come in at a three, which, you know, is a recommend. It's it's a good movie. It's, it's a fun movie. I think over time, you know, it's visually not so much, but... Tonally, the performances, it has aged well. Mm. And a lot of that, Matthew Lillard, Chaggy, like the the movie works as well as it does because of him. 
Absolutely. It's, it's still fun, but I I prefer this to the sequel, to be honest. Okay, so we, we're the other way around. Yeah, but, you know, the, the sequel had its merits as well. Mm. But this movie, it's just... It's it's fun, like it really it is. is, and and you know the the outfits they're wearing look silly, but it's just like the cartoons. You've got to appreciate it for that. It, it's a it's a fun movie. Yeah, it's, it's, I think you were exactly right. It's fun, it's outlandish, and it'll have you going zoinks. I think that's your third. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's your third. Oh, yeah, no leisure of keeping count. <laughs> well, that's it for our episode all about Scooby Doo. If you want to contact us about this episode or request a topic for an upcoming show, you can find us on Facebook as Sounds Like Comics Podcast. Nathan, thanks for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. Uh, Always a pleasure, never a chore. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.